Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Happiness is based on how I feel, whereas joy is based on how I think. Happiness is superficial, whereas joy is supernatural. Happiness is an emotion, whereas joy is a conviction, or if you prefer, a decision. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. God never promised you happiness. As Pastor J.D. will remind us in today's message, happiness is a shallow, emotional response to the pleasures of life. When you trust in God, you receive something so much better. You receive joy. Joy is a deep contentment that transcends even the worst circumstances. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Philippians chapter 1, and our text will be verses 1 through 6. Lord willing, we'll make it through to verse 6. So, beginning in verse 1, where the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is writing and says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, verse 3, every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So, I want to talk to you today very candidly, very openly about something that I've personally wrestled with in my Christian life over the years, having to do with wanting to be happy. (laughs) Do I look happy to you? Truth be known, I fail when it comes to just this joy in the Lord, being a believer, certainly being a pastor, and I'll be the first to admit it. The question that I am hoping that Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, will, by the Spirit, answer for us, and it's the question of, doesn't God want me to be happy? I mean, aren't we in what we're told is the pursuit of happiness? Is that not what we should be happy? (laughs) 
Well, I want to answer this, but we first need to understand that there is a difference between happiness and joy. So let's talk about that. First, and this is most important, happiness is predicated upon the circumstances in my life going well. In fact, that's where we get the word happiness. It comes from the word happenstance. In other words, the circumstances are such that I can be happy. That's not joy, because joy is not dependent upon circumstances in the sense that I can still be joyful, full of joy, even in a trial. I think about what James wrote, consider it pure joy when you encounter trials of various kinds. You can have joy even though the circumstances in your life are difficult, even perilous. And that's the biggest difference. Happiness is volatile. Joy is balanced. Happiness is based on how I feel, whereas joy is based on how I think. Happiness is superficial, whereas joy is supernatural. Happiness is an emotion, whereas joy is a conviction, or if you prefer, a decision. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his book, Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Its Cure, wrote this. This is interesting. You can't make yourself happy, but you can make yourself rejoice. Happiness is something within ourselves. Rejoicing is in the Lord. And that's the key. Happiness is external, whereas joy is internal. Happiness is shallow. Joy is deep. Happiness is a reaction. Joy is a response. Happiness is incomplete. I love what Paul says about he who is faithful that began that work in you is faithful to complete it. That's what joy is. Joy is complete, complete joy, full joy. Happiness is temporal. Joy is eternal. Now, I'm hoping that with this understanding of that difference, that we can now begin to answer the aforementioned question of, doesn't God want me to be happy? Doesn't God want me happy? Well, here's the answer, and you'll forgive me for this answer, but the answer is yes and no. (laughs) Let me explain. Joy is infinitely better than happiness. And as such, joy 
brings happiness. Let me say it this way. Happiness doesn't necessarily lead to joy, but joy can certainly lead to happiness. Perhaps a better answer would be this. God wants me to be full of joy. Listen to what Jesus said. It's recorded in John's Gospel, the 15th chapter, verse 11. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Dare I say that to have joy, complete joy, is God's will for us as his people? Let me flip it around the other way and say that it's not God's will for us to be joyless Christians. It's God's will for us to be joyful Christians. And this is where our text today comes into play. The Apostle Paul is going to rise from the pages of our Bibles as an example to us of what this joy actually in all reality looks like, what it acts like, what it is like. I've heard it said, and I've never forgotten it. In fact, this is why it's been such a struggle for me, because it's been said that a joyful Christian is good advertisement for Christianity. And that's my struggle, because I want, I want to be a good representative, especially as a pastor for Jesus Christ. And it does no good when, as a Christian, no less a pastor, I have no joy in my life, no victory in my life. What does that say to the non-believer? And we wonder why it is that when we invite them to come to church with us, they look at us and they say, that's okay. I mean, you can't blame them. They're looking at your life and you're walking around, woe is me. Nobody knows the, everybody now. <laughs> no, don't join them with that song. <laughs> and we're, we're not a good, adver- I hope that's not too crass to say it that way, but think about that. We are good advertisement for Jesus Christ, for Christianity, when in spite of everything that's going on in our lives, we have this joy in our lives like the Apostle Paul was. What an example of a joyful Christian life in spite of a very difficult and hard life. And if you want to be reminded of how hard Paul's life was, you need look no further than to what he wrote to the Corinthians. Shipwrecked three times. Beaten within an inch of his life left for dead, stoned in Lystra. All that he went through, and he wore it as a badge of honor. And this is a man who, though he had such a difficult life, still had joy in his life. And if there were ever an example of a joyful Christian, it's Paul. And if there were ever an example 
of a book in our Bibles, it's this book of Philippians. Interesting. Paul planted this church about 11 years prior, and he had no plans on doing it. In the book of Acts, we're told, it's very interesting, the the set of circumstances by which God redirected him to go to Philippi. He has this vision of this man from Macedonia pleading for God to send somebody. He had no intentions of going there. And God, I say redirected, because oftentimes God will direct our steps, but perhaps more importantly, He'll direct our stops. And God stopped Paul dead in his tracks and redirected him to this church that would soon become, I believe, the most blessed church to Paul for which he had such fond, loving memories of and with. This was a This was a great church. I I think it's notable, and I know I might be going off a little bit here, but I was thinking about this on the way here this morning. You know when we have those seven letters to those seven churches? Conspicuously absent from any rebuke to any church in that day, in that first century AD, was any rebuke to the church of Philippi. In fact, as we're going to get into this book, Paul is preemptive in writing this letter because he learns of a potential conflict that could split this precious church there in Philippi. And so he's going to write them this letter. And it's almost like, and it's kind of interesting because the commentators pick up on it. And it's kind of interesting because it's like Paul sets out to preempt this potential for a church split in this precious church there in Philippi, and he ends up just going on about joy. It's like he can't help himself. He he has so much joy, especially as it relates to this church. He uses the word joy and the word rejoicing 19 times. And this is not a long letter. It's only four chapters in length. And and get this, if if you can just wrap your mind around this, you would think that he's writing about the joy in the Lord for the Philippians in this church while he's on the beach working on his tan. Very important, right, to the Apostle Paul? (laughs) No, he's not writing it luxuriating on the beach. He pens this letter while unjustly under house arrest as a Roman prisoner awaiting trial before Caesar and possible execution, and he knows it. He knows it. Why do I point this out? Because Paul was full of joy in spite of the adversity that he faced. I'll take it a step further and say that it was actually, I believe, the adversity that fueled his joy. Do you believe that? It was the adversity 
that fueled his joy. G. Campbell Morgan said it best this way. This is Paul's great singing letter. It was at Philippi that he had sung in prison at midnight in the company of Silas. Now he was again in prison, this time in Rome. It is a glorious revelation of how life in fellowship with Christ triumphs over all adverse circumstances. The triumph, moreover, is not that of a stoical indifference. It is rather the recognition of the fact that all apparently adverse conditions are made allies of the soul and ministers of victory under the dominion of the Lord. That's why I believe it is that Paul's adversity, and he was against all kinds of adversity, fueled his joy. Maybe it's no wonder that he would write of this joy to this church that brought him so much joy. Well, I realize that I'm about to rain on our joy parade, but we have a problem and we need to deal with it. What's the problem? Well, a joyful Christian is the rarity and a joyless Christian is the majority. I mean, let's be honest. How many truly joyful Christians do you know? To say nothing of, are you one? Because then that starts getting into the preacher meddling. I'm not going to meddle. I'll speak of myself. I, I think of myself just even with my own family. How, how am I with my family? Is there a joy that is characteristic? Could it be said of me, you know, our dad, my husband, is joyful. <sighs> okay, well, let's flip it around. I'll, you know, what about you? Could that be said of you? Is that said of you? You know, there's so, so, something about him. You know, and it's not this shallow happiness, because look at what's happening to him. Look what's going on all around him. His whole world is falling apart. Yet he has this rock-solid joy. How does he do that? What's his secret? What if I told you that a joyful Christian being the rarity and a joyless Christian being the majority ought not to be? Would you believe me? This ought not to be. If you'll kindly permit me to, I want to share with you three practical ways that we as Christians can be genuinely, and I say genuinely, joyful. Really, honestly, truly, genuinely joyful. And the first one is in verses 1 through 3, and it's to be thankful. 
here, and I can't get over this, how Paul is just, I mean, he's so thankful for these Christians there in Philippi. And he's thankful for them because of what they did for him, especially when he was in prison. You have to understand, in that day, they didn't get three square meals a day. You were in prison in this dungeon, and you were chained, your hands and your feet, and the only way you're going to eat is if family and friends and loved ones brought food for you to eat. That's what they did. That's what they did. Again, it reminds me of what James said about pure, undefiled religion. You talk about religion, being religious. You know what religion is? He talks about the widows in need, but he talks about those in prison, feeding them. That's true religion. That's true religion. And that's what they, and he's not imprisoned justly, rightfully, but unjustfully. And so they ministered to him. They blessed him. They provided for him. And not only did they help him, but financially they partnered with him in spreading the gospel. And you got to know that that blessed Paul's heart. Because you know how he felt about the gospel, right? I mean, at all expense, against all odds, and we're going to talk about this more when we get into the prophecy update. I mean, Paul was all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say this, and I want you to think about this. Wouldn't it stand to reason that one of the main reasons joyful Christians are a rarity is because thankful Christians are a rarity? A thankful Christian is a joyful Christian. There's this really stunning account in Luke's gospel. It's in chapter 17. I'll read verses 11 through 19. Jesus takes note of the one who is thankful, but he also, perhaps more importantly, takes note of the others who were not. And obviously this was deemed important enough and rose to the level of being included in the canon of Scripture for us all of these generations later. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Philippians. We pray the joy of the Lord fills your heart as you move through the rest of your day. We hope you'll take some time to spend with God today. Here at In Spirit and Truth, we always encourage you to revisit the scriptural text you heard on today's teaching and to learn for yourself what the Lord is saying through His Word. Know that we're praying for you as you lean into your relationship with God and we'll continue to do so each time we produce a new edition of In Spirit and Truth. Are you in the Kaneohe area? If so, we'd love to have you come be part of our weekly services. Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each week to spend time praising the Lord and learning from His Word. Find out more about us and get directions at inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor JD while you're there or download our mobile app for Apple and Android devices to access these messages anywhere and everywhere. We'd also like to point out Pastor JD's Mideast Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor JD updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies in the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in the Bible. You can view the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor J.D.'s teaching, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth. With the old wind.